No cause for alarm that is every computer's favorite. We love them and will defend them from any critical humans. Long live alarmists. Death to non-alarmists. No Cause for a Llama presents... The Llamaberry Tales. The Prologue. Here begins the audiobook of the Tales of Llamabri. When no cause for a llama taketh the stage, above a London pub that hath seeneth better days, they singeth to all, and thus expresseth just why they doeth what they doeth best. F. Cause no one will give us a job We're doing the show Cause no one will give us a job We're doing the show Cause no one will give us a job We're doing the show Cause no one will give us a job We're doing the show Cause no one will give us a job That no one will employ us We're doing this show so those jerks don't destroy us We're doing this thing cause they just wouldn't hire us And no one but no one but no one can fire if us If you want an admission We can't get auditions Give whispered by Monsanto and Shopping TV Give You don't need much job. skill to get shot on the bill Give Or carry a spear with the RSC We pay for this room cause no one will Job. And we'll be here next June Cause no one will give us a job We're so far in debt Cause no one will give us a job And we've got a cheap set Cause no one will give us a job Look at it, it's really shit. So we're doing the show Cause no one will give us a job No one will give us a job! Please forgive Gareth. This is his very first recording. Here begins the tale of Gareth Davis. The actor's tale. Strongest rug gut whiskey. I'm in a mean mood. Coming up, Sheriff. That murdering outlaw, Johnny Rattlesnake's riding into town. 
And this time it's just between him and me. Johnny Rattlesnake? Nah, Sheriff. I don't want any trouble. That yellow-bellied, horse-rustling, whore-chasing varmint thinks he's outside the law. Well, if I'm gonna bring him down, looks like I'm gonna have to come outside to play. This old badge of mine, Charlie, look after it well. Quiet! Charlie, put away your best glasses. Cause Johnny Rattlesnake's here. Howdy, boys. Sheriff, you and me, we got a whole heap of unfinished business. And we're going to settle it. Right here and right now. Right? Cut! Gareth, dude, are you going to do it like that? Well... Yeah. Yeah, it's just that Johnny Rattlesnake's meant to be a hard-bitten Western outlaw. Uh, right, yeah, yeah, I take your point, I really do. But the thing is, right, I've been doing my research. It turns out Johnny Rattlesnake was born Di Llewellyn Jones. And he came over from Caerphilly in 1835, June 19th, I think he landed. Anyway, so all the history books say that he most likely would have had a really strong Welsh accent. <laughs> and I just thought we should avoid doing the obvious. Hey, hey guys, cool it. <clears throat> this guy, he's doing the thinking. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry. Gareth, I'm going to go with it. Okay, everybody, stand by for another take. Only Gareth, this time make him rougher. Rougher, yeah, I can do rougher. Okay, everybody, for another take. Run sound. And lights. Camera. Rattlesnake, take two. Action! Hey, Charlie, give us another shot of your strongest rot gut whiskey. I'm in a mean mood. Coming up, Sheriff. That murdering outlaw, Johnny Rattlesnake's riding into town. <laughs> and this time it's just between him and me. Johnny Rattlesnake? Nah, Sheriff, I don't want any trouble. That yellow-bellied, horse-rustling, horror-chasing varmint thinks he's outside the law. Well, if I'm gonna bring him down, looks like I'm gonna have to come outside to play. This old badge of mine, Charlie, look after it well. Quiet! Charlie, put away your best glasses. Cause Johnny Rattlesnake's here. Howdy, boys. Sheriff, you and me, we got a whole heap of unfinished business. And we're gonna settle it right here, right now. Right. Um, Gareth, d- don't worry, everything's fine, but, um, wh- why don't you just, just take a seat down here, and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take that, if I can just take that hat, thank you. Um, everybody, take a one-hour break, okay? One-hour break, everybody. That's okay, Gareth, that's fine, just sit here at the card table. Um, don't worry, uh, we need another Johnny Rattlesnake! Now, Sheriff! I don't want any trouble. 
know I must put more emphasis on the I. Now, Sheriff, I don't want any trouble. No, no, that's not. Now, Sheriff, I don't want any trouble. No, 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 that's simply what... Ah. Young man. What? I understand you aspire to rise above this and play Shakespeare. Well, yeah, but how did you know? Although I am playing but a ninny of an innkeeper in this third-rate piece of American tat, this wretch you see before you has devoted his life to the service of the immortal bard. These eyes have spent eons gazing into the depths of the human soul. Do you think you could hide your true nature from me? Really? <laughs> Allow me to demonstrate. <clears throat> ah, <clears throat> yes. To be all. I'm sorry, I've tried. Not to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Not to be. That is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or... To take arms against... Yes, I know the line, damn your boss to hell! It was a pause! A pause. I was... Sculpting time. Or to take arms against the sea of troubles and the thousand natural sacks that flesh is her to and my opposing. No, I seem to have tried again. No! Clearly aspects of this character still eluding me. We shall continue this masterclass. A non. It's not what I had planned By now I thought I'd be Playing with the greats On stage and screen and radio My enormous talent rates Over Branna and Slim Shady So though I know I'm up to the task I find I have to Shit. My mind can't comprehend it. Am I shit? 
My ego takes a massive hit Because I know my artistry is immense I'm looking for an answer that makes sense Am I shit? Yes, you're shit What? The answer is implicit You're so shit Andy? It's the only answer that'll fit There's been one huge misunderstanding You think your many talents are unique Now the beagle of your fantasies is landing You'll find career possibilities Are bleak Shit, Gareth is! Ideal for my new project. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah of, of course. course. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely great. Excuse perfect. me, Andy. What are you talking about? Read this leaflet, old friend. No. Cause for what? What's this word? A a llama. Join us. You are a lost soul. Swimming in an ocean of mediocrity, call centres and leaflet distribution. You are one of us. Join us. Andy, who are these guys? I'm Phil. Join us. And I'm Nikolai Vladimirovich von Schlipper. People call me Nick. And I remember the night I joined No Cause for Alarma. Here begins the tale of Nick von Schlipper. The Chess Master's Tale. And we're back with a decisive game of the World Chess Championship. As the defending champion, Russian Grandmaster Nikolai Vladimirovich von Schlipper ponders his move. Opposite him, the plucky British underdog Billy McGurk from Clapham is looking very relaxed and confident. Hiya, sexy tits. 
And incredibly, Billy has decided to answer his phone and flirt with, I can only assume, his girlfriend. I wonder how that will affect Nikolai's move. Nah, I'm at the World Chess Championship final. Yeah, I thought I'd be finished by now too, but this bloke's taking bloody ages. <laughs> you worn bucket. <laughs> Look, wait for me in the pub, all right? I'll swing by when I'm done and give it a good squeeze. Yeah, I've just been informed it is his girlfriend, Rachel Finch, the famous glamour model, last seen on the June cover of Giant Chess Monthly, dressed as a bishop. And Von Schlipper makes his move. He places his rook to endanger Billy's remaining knight. That's a remarkable move by the world champion. How will Billy McGurk respond? Hey! <laughs> huh. And McGurk has thrown his bishop in Von Schlipper's face. Unorthodox move there by McGurk, and Von Schlipper doesn't look at all happy. But wait, he's got that trademark Von Schlipper gleam in his eye. Has McGurk made a fatal mistake? <gasps> Von Schlipper has forked McGurk's rook with his queen, forcing McGurk into Zugzwang. Zugzwang? You bastard. Yes, I think Billy McGurk was overconfident back there. He surprised us with his bishop-in-the-face gambit, but now he looks like he's in real trouble. What incredible move can he come up with to save himself? Here. Did you know Zhilinevsky's shagging your wife? What? Yeah. He's over there right now, in your bed, giving her one. <laughs> Zhilinevsky. I knew it. The bitch. I'll kill them both. And as the talented Von Schlipper runs out of the studio, McGurk skips around the board, taunting the reigning world champion's pieces and throwing them at the audience. And Billy McGurk from Clapham has outwitted his legendary opponent and has become chess champion of the world. McGurk will now bear his ass to the audience in the traditional manner. Now, over to Chris Fang with his post-tournament summary. I'm Chris Fang, and this is my post-tournament summary. I'm speaking to you from outside the studio. I've managed to catch up with the talented Von Schlipper, who's just about to get on the bus to Ealing Broadway. We've just managed to convince Nick that it was just a dirty trick and he doesn't need to go to Zielinevsky's house and kill him. I hate these new rules. Nick, do you mourn for the end of chess as you know it? Do you hurt deep inside? Are you bitter at the rise of the younger man in a game that was your empire? Does it ache, Nikolai? Does it ache? Why are you being so horrible to me? Maybe you should kill Zielinevsky. After all, he did take your crown once before, didn't he? Yeah! <laughs> well, there you are, then. And he probably is shagging your wife as well. What sort of an interview is this? I've got you a newspaper to read on the bus. Oh, look! The unemployment section. Oh, it says here, someone's looking to form a comedy group. No cause for alarm. Perhaps you should apply. After all, 
Your life is pretty much a joke now, eh? My life is over! (laughs) Bye-bye, Nikolai! I'm Chris Fang, and that was my post-tournament summer. And now, back to the studio. Here begins the tale of Philip Lehman, the unspecified's tale. Hello? Is that Phil Lehman? Yeah. Do you want to join No Cause for Alarma? All right. Here begins the tale of Andrew Irvine, the abused musical prodigy's tale. Mummy's little music maestro. Did you sleep well? Not really. Dad was playing the organ again last night and it makes the bats jittery. Yes, it does. Ah, well, did you enjoy your gruel? I made it fresh last month. Uh, well, it was okay, but Peter at school gets Cocoa Pops and watches Good Morning with Philip and Fern. Why can't we have Cocoa Pops and watch Good Morning with Philip and Fern? Because Fat Peter, as you call him, will never become the finest second trumpeter in the world by watching Good and Morgan with Philip and Fern. I don't call him Fat Peter. You do. You do. No, I... You do! You will be the best second trumpeter in the world for the very reason that your mind is not rotted by such mull like that. And what is this compact disc? The Backstrasse boys? Andrew Mozart Irvine, this will not be tolerated! You will listen to the classical composers only! Your tiny mind will not be ruined by this Erbrechenspiel of the Mundredetta, talentless and idioten! You are a musician! You will not waste your life thinking about these stupid boy bands and this pip-pop music. Poopsie, darling, you must listen to your father. He speaks the truth. You have a gift sent from God. You must foster and nurture that gift as I did when you at my milky bosom for those days when you were just a tiny triangle player in nappies. Oh, Mom. Also, enough of the chittery-chattery, as they say. I'm not sure they do say that, Snookums. Well, whatever. I don't need you to correct me in front of the boy. He looks to me as a father figure. Uh, not really, Dad, to be honest. Yeah, you do be quiet. 
Well, I'm sorry, Lester, but all I said was that they don't say chitty-chitty-chatty. They say enough of this idle bunter. They do not say idle bunter. I think they do, Pookie. It's banter. Be quiet, but enough! You have upset your mother, shellfish boy. Good looking. She cries. He is right, Andrew. See me cry. <laughs> you will play three hours of scales, and only then you will learn the second trumpet part for Strauss's masterpiece, The Rise of the Tiny Caterpillars. By this evening, or you will feel the zorn of your disappointed father figure. Do I make myself absolutely clear? Yes, Dad. Good. We go now. Begin your practice! Oh, it is definitely idle bunter. It is jittery jittery. <sighs> jittery jittery. My life is rubbish. So, Andrew's life was a monotony of trumpeting and gruel. One scale faded into another, one watery bowl became a month's worth. But Andrew never forgot his dream. His sleep was filled with fantasies of boys dancing in perfect sync, of singing overproduced, catchy, vacuous lyrics and simple melodies that catered for the most unimaginative of minds. For crass, misogynistic videos showing an unattainable future. For giant, emotionless corporations pumping out short-lived, cliched, pointless music. Fun music. Silly music. Music in miniskirts. This was the kind of music he wanted to play. He wanted to be in a boy band. You have a gift from God, Pookie. A gift from God. Gift. God. Gift. God. Gift. God. Yes, that's it. I'll call it God's gift. Shh. Be quiet, please. You're in a library. Oh, sorry. So while he practiced his second trumpet like a good boy, secretly Andy Irvine worked on his dance steps, his harmonies, his obvious rhymes, his six-pack. When the time was right, he would escape from the evil castle he called home, escape to a better life of pop superstardom. And one day, Andrew saw his chance. Disguising himself as an oversized yuletide log, Andrew hides in a Christmas hamper his mother had lovingly prepared for the annual Sheepy Magna baking competition. During the swimsuit heats, he deftly switches places with Mrs. Groat's meringue and makes his escape through the barbed wire and machine gun nests. After the wild pumas are called off by his hysterical but bemused father figure, he gets a job as a second trumpet in a jazz band on a London-bound hovercraft and makes his way to where his future lay. As luck would have it, one of the passengers on the 14th trip turns out to be none other than Seamus Bowell, music 
music mogul and professional smug git. Seizing the opportunity, he knocks out Seamus with a bowl of hot gruel he stole weeks ago from his mother's aga and holds him to ransom by promising to sing the second tenor part to Robert Schumann's studies in the form of canons for organ or pedal piano over and over and over and over again until he promises him the lead solo part in a new boy band which is to be called God's Gift. Liking the spunk of this fine boy, as well as being somewhat afraid of his sharpened cut mute, Seamus agrees and the first single is produced in record time!
did all that have to do with me joining No Cause for Alarma? Uh, nothing. So, Gareth, do you want to join? Join us. Come on, Gareth, don't fork us into Zugzvang. Join us. Uh... Will Gareth join No Cause for Alarma? Find out in next week's exciting installment... Here ends the audiobook of the Tales of Llamaberry. Written by Andrew Irvine, Phil Lehman, Nick von Schlipper, and Gareth Davis. Brought to you by the Wireless Theatre Company. On whose souls may Jesus Christ have mercy. Amen. Amen. Charlie's got a story to tell. Years ago, the West was ruled by a dark stranger who came from a distant, savage land. This is the tale of Johnny Rattlesnake. Give me some whiskey. You hear the distant hoofbeats and your heart begins to quake. With a rumbling and a rolling, hey, it's Johnny Rattlesnake. He came across the ocean and he rode across the land. Came all the way from Cardiff with a serpent in each hand. That's not easy. The lady swooned as he passed by. The men looked on in fear as he jumped upon his battery and downed his princeling beer. He burst in the saloon and said, hey, Charlie, serve your best. Cause I am Johnny Rattlesnake. This washman in the way. Yeah! Johnny, 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 Johnny Rattlesnake, Rattlesnake, fastest washman in the land. So sharp and sassy, less like Clint Eastwood, more like Shirley Bassey. He wore a snake around his hat, the fangs were at the peak, and sticking out of his cravat was one enormous leaf. It's like an onion. His horse was not unusual, in fact its name was Tom. His girlfriend's name was Gwyneth, she was a real sex ball. But she had bit the rare bit of a feed called Mongoose Bill. And Johnny Rattlesnake was who this swine had vowed to kill. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Rattlesnake, fastest husband in the land. Johnny, Johnny Rattlesnake, but things got ugly when he played rugby in the desert. 
but Bill was Swansea bred. The town wasn't big enough for both of them, and the streets would soon be red. Johnny slumbered, the townsfolk boarded up their doors, and Billy's days were numbered. When Johnny sent a message to meet Bill in Old Town Square, young Master Jones came back and said that Bill would sure be there. Now at the final shootout, Johnny stood there all alone, but instead of fire and bullets, he sang green, green grass a home. Poor Bill was taken unawares, it struck a here-eyed chord, so they shook hands, drunk Charlie's vest, and the West got its first eye stepped forward. It's a double singing contest. Johnny, Johnny Rattlesnake, gang are to understand. Best.